Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. You're listening to episode 154. Thanks for joining me. Got a great show. We're going to get into it in just a minute. Before we do, I'd like to share with you some resources that if you're looking to launch your Kickstarter project, here's some places you can go to get some great, fantastic information. Here's why I'm sharing this with you. Time and time again, people come to me or to uh, people I know who are helping with Kickstarter advice and they come after they've launched their campaign. Now, I know as a listener, you wouldn't do that because that's why you're listening, because you're trying to learn all this information before you launch your campaign. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share some information with you where you can go get lots of good advice about your Kickstarter campaign before, during, and after it launches. And then if you're lucky, share this with other people. So first, I'm going to direct you to James Matthey, jamesmathey.com, James. M-A-T-H-E dot com. Now, James owns a game company and has been writing a blog about a lot of the stuff that he's learned with Kickstarter, and it's great stuff. The gamers know Kickstarter better than anybody. So even if you're not doing a game, go listen to the gamers because they have been doing this fast and furious and know all the ins and outs. Speaking of gamers, Stonemeyer Games. Stone, the way you spell it, M-A-I-E-R games dot com. Jamie Stegmeier uh, is the founder of Stonemeyer Games and great advice. He's been blogging heavily about Kickstarter, how to reboot an unsuccessful Kickstarter project, Kickstarter lessons to cancel or to finish, information that you need to know. And the last piece of information is on Facebook. Go join the group called Kickstarter Best Practices and Lessons Learned. Kickstarter Best Practices and Lessons Learned. Whole group, hundreds of people ready to give you advice on what not to do and what to do before you launch your Kickstarter campaign. Okay? Tons of great advice. Go check it out. My podcast is always there, and my LinkedIn group called Funding the Dream on Kickstarter is also there to answer questions. Okay, enough with the advice. Let's go talk to a guest. I just had my next guest on the show, I think two episodes ago. Uh, because last time we talked about uh, board games and the game stores, I have had Phil come, uh, Kilcrease come back because he's got a campaign running. He's been making some major adjustments right in the middle of it. It's been successful, but he's felt it necessary to make some changes. And I thought, you know what, let's just have him on and we'll talk about his campaign and some of those changes. Phil, thanks for coming right back on the show after being on it just a couple episodes ago. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me back on. So we're going to get right into it. We're going to talk about your Kickstarter campaign that's going right now. It's called Smash Monster Rampage. Yeah, absolutely. Would you like me to go into it super quick? Yeah, because it looks really familiar If because I used to drop quarters into a, a little slot several years ago <laughs> and play a game that looks just like this. So yeah, go ahead. Tell us a little bit about it. All right. This is actually uh, the flip of that particular game you're talking about. In Smash Monster Rampage, you are the humans trying to defend the city from the monster destroying it. Uh, you'll use tanks and helicopters to rescue survivors, as well as light the monster up, and hopefully do enough damage to drive it away before all the buildings are destroyed in the town, there are 30 of them, or too many survivors perish. Um, it's fully co-op, plays 1-5, to five, with the fifth player potentially controlling the monster. And, so. and it is 3D. Oh, yes. Yeah, so this isn't just abstract moving around on a flat board. These are buildings, tall buildings, skinny buildings, fat buildings, short buildings, and then fire and people standing on top waving their arms. Help, save me, save me. So it's pretty cool. 
yeah, the that was one of the things that first drew me to it back in 2010 when Mike Swindoll, the designer, made it and shared it with everyone on the Geek. This is actually a well-known print and play that has been around for some time, and I finally decided to approach Mike. I felt I had enough of a library. Like, okay, I've shown I can do this. This game's really big. Let's do it. And Mike Swindoll said, okay. So, so hang on, um, hang on, hang on. Let's back up. I know what you just said made sense to you, and I know what you just said made sense to me. But to a lot of my listeners, our listeners that are listening right now, and I'm talking to you out there, I know, you're just scratching your head saying, what did he just say? What you just said was, this isn't your game, right? You didn't correct. Ma- you didn't make this game. You saw this game. So this game has actually been available for free. Yep. So you saw this game. Now I'm, I'm asking you these questions. I know the answer, but the people who are <laughs> listening, who aren't familiar with BGG and all the acronyms you just threw out, they're like, what is oh, he talking about? So I, I didn't realize they dropped into acronyms. My apologies. <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, but so I'll just keep asking the question. So you have decided you're a publisher. You saw a game that was being made available for free. It was free because it's called print and play. People could actually go find the game, print it out on their printer, use scissors and glue, make the game and play it. So it's free. You saw it and said, I'm going to publish that game. Now that's going to strike a lot of people as odd because why would people pay for something that they were getting for free? Uh, That is a good question. Uh, This one in particular is kind of special though. As you mentioned, the game itself is 3D. It's a good, I have it refined to about three, three and a half hours, but if you don't know what you're doing your first time you sit down and make one of these, it's going to probably take you about five hours to do, plus uh, $40 or $50 at least in materials and a boatload of ink from your printer. So I'm with me printing it, it drops the cost down to $35 retail. You don't burn out your printer. And the game is actually fully co-op now. The original version was only two-player and could, and, and it was a competition to see who did the most damage to the monster. Also, you've got a really fun, uh, you've got great artwork and great uh, components. So this isn't going to be something just on flimsy computer paper. Now we've got a real game here. Correct. But what, what is this idea? Uh, and I apologize to my listeners um, that are out there who are like, come on, everybody knows that, but not everybody knows what print and play is and the concept behind it and what's involved with it. Because if you have a Kickstarter project and it's a board game in particular, print and play is a key component of the success of your Kickstarter campaign leading up to it. Would you agree with me? I definitely do. Absolutely. So let's tell, let's tell our listeners, um, cause we've already, the ones who already know have already turned the channel and they've gone on to watch, uh, Scooby-Doo or something. So. Let's tell the people who are still with us, what is this concept of print and play? Where does it come from? How how extensive is it and how important is it to somebody who maybe has a project out there that they want to make? Uh, Print and play is the idea of you provide uh, printer-friendly components of your game that people can cut out, print off and cut out to try the game for themselves if they want to, uh, using their own own paper and cutting things out and then sticking cards in the sleeves, what have you. And it'll be a really low-fi prototype that the people are playing with, but it gives someone a chance to try it before they buy it, if they so choose. And that is fantastic. It's like um, playing a game before 
before you buy it in the store, like a demo game in, in a in a game store. Yeah, and uh, that's a, that's a great point. For example, a lot of news was made last year because Monopoly changed, got rid of the what they get rid of the wheelbarrow or something, and they replaced mm-hmm. it with a cat, and it made national news and it's big deal. And that's because most people who play board games, the old crappy board games, didn't they all got all excited by the components and forgot that the actual gameplay was important. And so print and play, right? It says, look, the gameplay, ignore the components. The game itself is what is fun. And that's what print and play allows you to do is test that out, right? That's correct. Uh, just a little bit of time on the part of the person trying out the print and play. And that's it. And there's been some a lot of successful games. So this one, you actually saw on – so where did you see it? Uh, the website is called Board Game Geek. It's an online database for uh, board games and card games at so, BoardGameGeek.com. So board game, I've been out to Board Game Geek, and it makes your eyes roll in the back of your head when you try to figure out what you're looking at when you get there. <laughs> How in the it world – It can be. Yeah, you're being generous. How in the world can you find the print and play games if somebody wants to go look and see what you're talking about? Well, uh, there are a couple of ways. One of them, there is something called a geek list, which is basically it takes it itemizes a list of entries from the Board Game Geek database and makes them more visually you, – you can follow them more visually and more easily. Uh, you – Go to the drop-down list next to the search bar and go to Geek List and type in Print and Play into the box. And it'll create a huge list of different Print and Play um, Geek Lists people have made because it's even even outside of the Kickstarter community or publishing, people just make games for fun and they they it's a passionate hobby and they enjoy it so they want to share their work with the world and they do so through sites like Board Game Geek. Perfect. So now we're going to go back. That's perfect. That was a perfect service announcement from Phil uh, Kilcrease with Fifth Street Games. Thank you for that perfect perfect uh, service announcement to help people understand how to go find print and play. Now let's talk about your print and play. You launched this campaign how long ago? Um, last Friday. And today, so that our our podcast listeners have no idea what that means, how many days oh, how, uh, many, the, how, many, the 20... how many days ago was that? Uh, uh, about four or five. August twenty seventh is when I launched it. And today is August twenty something. I can't remember. Well, yeah. August twenty seventh. You launched it August twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. No, t- today is August twenty seventh, Phil. It is. Oh, it's the twenty fourth. Then sorry, oh. I'm. All right, there we go. So three days ago, you launched this campaign. Three, four, five days ago, something. You know what? People doing math live on the radio or whatever is it's about hard. It. So we're just going <laughs> to say. Four and a half, five days ago, you launched this. You've raised nearly $40,000 in those four or five days. Yes. 389 backers, and you still have more than a month to go. Oh, yes. You were asking for only $8,000. Now, most sophisticated backers are going to look at that and say, you can't make that game for $8,000, Phil. Uh, the base game, I could, actually. Really? Yeah. Why? Uh, it, uh just uh, get the, it's not plastic. It's all cardboard that'll slot together and fold. So oh. the the base the base game is accurate. The expansions is where the uh, extra cost comes in. Is that because you start uh, adding real miniatures? 
Uh, no, unfortunately not yet. Um, the expansions just add more monsters and more more cardboard to the mix, so it just starts getting pricey really quick. Got it. So $39,000 in four or five days. You've blown past your goal by three or 400%. You got a month to go, yet, as you and I were just talking before we started uh, the interview here, you had to make, you went and made a major adjustment to your campaign, according to your words. What happened? Uh, well, the initial setup was to have 19 monsters uh, unlocked over the course of the campaign and have them uh, incrementally increase in how much it takes to unlock them. And it, it meant a $500,000 unlock to get, to get everything done. $500,000 for a little print-and-play game to unlock that last monster? Yep. That, just. What were you thinking when you came up with that plan? Um, the, the math, you, you can get caught up in the math and it, it all fit together and all the costs were covered. Uh, but it, and I had people jumping on and like, yeah, this is great. I don't know if this 500 K is, is tenable. Um, and so I listened to the backers. Someone suggested, why not lump some of the monsters together? So I took some of the monsters that don't have as many components and put them in the same box as a monster, which does have lots of components, and it allowed me to lower how many how many unlocks I have, as well as lower production cost and lower shipping considerably. Because as you've talked about extensively, I imagine that shipping is the silent killer of Kickstarter. And I dropped, managed to drop domestic shipping from about sixty bucks down to eighteen. Uh, and international from about 120 down to 80. So that now, now when you say shipping, to... you're talking about the game and shipping and everything into that single price. Is that right? Uh, that is correct. Or, or are you saying that was the shipping price, and then you add the cost of the game on top of that? Oh no, that's that's what I meant. The uh, it was 17 dollars on my end to ship it, and then it was 80 dollars uh, to do international shipping with the new structure. And I pay half of my backers shipping for international. So okay. it only costs them 39 So this is what you're sharing is an important point for Kickstarter um, project owners. They might have missed it since we're talking. We're kind of all over the map here as we're talking. We've only got a couple of minutes left. But what the point mm -hmm. was is that you are not locked in. You can get yourself locked in if you're not careful. But you listened. Your backers came back and said, hey, this doesn't make quite sense. Maybe you should do it this way. And you were able to adjust. We, wouldn't, we, we can't even say mid-campaign because you're not even – you're barely 10% of the way in, but 10% yes. of the way in, you were able to make some major adjustments to your campaign, weren't you? I was, and it was all thanks to my backers, too. They uh, they they were willing to share and try and make the, the project better, and I listened, and the, the response has been phenomenal. Everyone's loving it, and they're excited to potentially get all of the monsters because uh, the now the new unlock is only 100K for everything instead of 500K. So and, much and more tangible. I know, and we laugh. A hundred k. You know, uh, in two thousand eleven, a hundred k would have been one of the best uh, board game successes of all time. Absolutely, my first campaign was in twenty eleven, and I did fifty six hundred, and I was super ecstatic about that. So <laughs> and, it, and times have changed. Times have changed. So let's talk in our last few minutes about those times have changed. You have successfully used Kickstarter to launch and now sustain a board game publishing company, correct? 
What uh, what project is uh, Smash Monster Rampage? Uh, this is number seven. Number seven, and each one keeps getting a little bigger, a little better, doesn't it? It does. Um, and my average campaign now does about 25K. Uh, every once in a while, a campaign will come along that's special, like Zombicide or Smash Monster Rampage. Not every campaign is a 100K campaign, but... Um, it is with the with the right one. It's totally feasible to to raise that kind of money. That's right. If you go in and and you got, there are there are indicators, uh, you know the fact that this has been on print and play for so long, people knew about it. You had a built up demand. People who had played this wanted this game. Wanted somebody to make it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you stepped up and said you will you'll take one for the team. Yep, I'll I'll make it happen for everybody so we can all enjoy it. And it's looking like right now you're not going to do too bad. Uh, you know, there's a good chance that you're going to hit that hundred thousand dollars. You're at forty thousand, just under forty thousand, with thirty-two days to go, three hundred ninety backers. Um, I, I got to believe that you're feeling confident. Uh, I I do. At the very least, I'm confident we'll at least hit six, sixty, I should say, and that would unlock half of the monsters, which would be great. Um, I would love to see it hit a hundred, but I'm I'm feeling it confident that we'll hit at least 60 well i just became a backer um this is the, the game that i was alluding to from a, a coin operated was uh rampage mm-hmm. which uh was one of my favorite games and uh, this has a lot of the look and feel to it i think you've done a great job of capturing or who's the game designer uh mike swindall from the uk okay so mike's done a great job of capturing some of the elements of the funness and the and the whimsical nature of of that game. So uh, great job. Thanks for, thanks for coming back. Um, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's certainly looking good. It's kind of exciting to see the success just keep building and building and building, doesn't it? Cause you're not, you're not the only one. We've got the folks over at dice. Hate me. You know, they, they oh, they're just, doing great. They're doing great. Um, we've got tasty menstrual games. Uh, they're doing great. You know, it's just, it's fun to see those who have embraced this new model, this Kickstarter economy and see them having success. Yeah. And, making it sustainable and repeatable, too. It is. It's, it's kind of fun. Pretty soon you're going to quit your day job there at uh, Game Night Games in Salt Lake City and uh, do this full-time, aren't you? Uh, in time, yeah. Who knows? This might be the project that does it. We'll see. It might be. Beware the doom. That's all going to be a lesson <laughs> to us. Beware the doom. <laughs> so no more references to Atlanta. Uh, was that Atlantic City or Atlanta? Whatever. I can't remember. Uh, yes, Doom is Atlantic City. Yeah, so beware <laughs> the Doom. So whenever somebody starts talking about quitting their day job, it's like, oh, beware the Doom. Yep. Right. Nope. Phil, this was great. Uh, thanks, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. It's been a board game episode. I've been talking to Phil Kilcrease. He is the owner, founder and the creative genius behind Fifth Street Games. Uh, and he's got a project out there right now that you have to go out. Don't stop. Don't wait. Click on that button now and do what I just did. Back this project. Smash Monster Rampage. You've got until September 29th, 2013. So if you're listening to this in October, you missed your opportunity. But we appreciate you listening anyway. Hopefully you've heard something that's inspiring. I always get inspired by my guests. No exception this time. Thanks for listening. We're looking forward to seeing your Kickstarter project out there so we can help you fund your dream. Take care.